Sure good to see you this morning. I thank you for coming out today. I know it's a celebratory weekend and some people are meeting with family and different things like that. You know, it was uh, really a blessing. I was telling Pastor Curly, Curly. <laughs> I was telling Pastor Kelly a while ago, you know, uh, the Lord moved on me to give a neighbor a little financial blessing um, yesterday and I went and I did, I'm out of cards at my house. And so I took a yellow legal pad and wrote out a note and said, please forgive me, I'm out of cards. And just tried to bless uh, this family. They've got only five boys. And uh, the, the mom is like Miss Neighborhood Guard, Captain, Overseer, whatever you want to call her. After five boys, I guess, you know, she's pretty used to it. <laughs> Somebody said, I can't imagine eight. I can't imagine five. I just had two, Lisa says. <laughs> five boys. By the way, my doctor's got five and one coming plus one girl. So praise God. Anyway, I, I, I just did what the Lord put on my heart to do. And I said, thank you for being uh, kind of taking over the neighborhood community. Uh, you know, and making a community there because we have somebody new come in or whatever, da-da-da. So I did that. I thought, yep, because I, uh, I almost wanted to wait till I got a card to put in the card. I thought, this is, this is so unlike Doris. <laughs> got to have a card. <laughs> and so anyway, I did that, and then several hours later, uh, the people have been across the street for me about six months, and he texts me and goes, um, got barbecued ribs, pulled pork, chicken breast, and all the fixings. You up for it? I didn't tell him I had break, uh, lunch at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's 4.30 down. I said, yep. <laughs> and 30 minutes later, here he comes, two plates, his grown son's walking behind him with a plate and two bowls. Ribs, pulled pork, grilled chicken, grilled asparagus, mixed vegetables, French fries, uh, some kind of uh, a squash dish, um, carrot cake, lemon pie, fruit tart. Oh, the salad, forgot that. Uh, so I dented it yesterday. <laughs> he said, I think you might be able to make more than one meal out of it. I said, yeah, I think so. Better go blow up if I don't. But I thought it was kind of cool that, uh, you know, you give to God and he just does stuff to you. I told Kelly, I said, well, I changed money into food. <laughs> and you can't eat money. So <laughs> praise the Lord. Good home cooking. They're here from Arkansas just recently. And uh, the, the, the grown son and his family um, live in the Edmond area, so I live north of Edmond. So anyway, close close to that place called uh, what's that foreign city uh, that that's north of here on I thirty five Guthrie. Yeah, that foreign city. <laughs> I live on the way to Guthrie. Uh, praise God. Well, uh, where is the power? We've done two weeks. This is going to be the Third one, but you'll continue to hear it for years to come in different facets and parts and of uh, different messages. Where is the power? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you're putting power back in your church. We thank you, Father God, that you are preparing us to be able to have our minds renewed to your power, how to use it, how to be a servant with it, how to be able to bring life to others with it, how to be able to make sure that we're walking in it ourselves for our, our own selves and our family and our friends and neighbors. But God, we thank you that this world who so desperately needs you today is starting to wake up and realize that they need answers in their lives. And Jesus, we know you're the only answer. You're the only one that counts. Everything else is frivolous. Everything else vanishes. Everything else withers and dies. But your life continues to carry us through the eternal universe that you are preparing us for. 
So prepare our hearts to be able to understand, our eyes to see, our ears to hear what you would say to the church today, Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I can only say words, but the Holy Spirit can release life. So when you tune into him, you're tuning into life, the abundant life, the everlasting life, the life that's more than enough. We've talked about the importance of the gospel and how everything in Christianity depends on the gospel, the gospel of truth. I had a conversation with a, a man this last week that uh, we sat down and had a very interesting conversation. And he told me that uh, although his wife and daughter go to a, a church, uh, they're actually living in another state. I know the, who the pastor is. I don't know him, but I know who he is, and he's a great man of God. But he doesn't go. He was one time Church of Christ and one time Baptist and one time something else that I wasn't even familiar with. But uh, he said that the Lord told him, now you've learned from men, now I want to teach you. That's what he said. Folks, it's another gospel he had. I mean, so different from Christianity. And he uses the Bible, he, he shreds the Bible, then he uses it to prove his point. But his point is not in the Bible. <laughs> Good intentions. Don't let you walk in the walk that you were created to do. God will release his power to those he trusts. So we've got to put ourselves in a position to be able to receive and be a conduit for the life of Jesus. He wants to use our hands. He wants to use our lips. He wants to use our gospel of peace, shoes of peace. He wants to use us today to bring about and effect a change and to do what? To turn this world once again upside down like the first century church did. If I could just brand that in your hearts this morning, it would mean so much to you, to everybody that knows you or sees you, most importantly to the Lord. I'm not talking about a works gospel. I'm talking about a gospel that works. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 15 contains a very early church creed. We talked about this once before. Correctly summarizing the gospel. We could easily make a series out of this chapter alone. However, today we're going to do a short reading from it without taking the time to go ahead to go before and after it. That's your homework assignment. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to get in 1 Corinthians 15 this week. Then look at them again and say, I mean it. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you, the gospel that I preach to you, not a gospel, the gospel that I preach to you, which you received, and on which you've taken your stand. We can stand on the gospel of truth. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise, you've believed in vain. If it came in one ear and went out the other, it's gone. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Paul's right there. This particular piece of scripture has been proven by various theologians and archaeologists. This is the oldest actual uh, recordings that we have of the New Testament, time-wise. Wasn't the first part written. There's others written before it. But as far as the actual scrolls that were written, they have the parts of 1 Corinthians 15 that's found to be older than any, even a certain agnostic who leans towards atheism who's studied a lot of these things. He claims an agreement that it was less than five years after the time of the resurrection when this was actually written down. 
That's old. <laughs> That's older than some of us in here. <laughs> Good place to say amen. <laughs> okay. He, he said, I received a pass on to use of first, first importance. First importance. That means it's important, the first part of important. And uh, and there's going to be several points or about nine of them. I'm going to run through the next several verses. Number one, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The scriptures at that time were the Old Testament. He died according to Isaiah 53 and others. Okay. Number two, that he was buried. Number three, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Not only was the Old Testament saying that, but he said it himself. He said that Jonah was a type of himself. As he was in the belly of the whale, so shall I be in the belly of this earth for three days and nights. Number four, he appeared to Cephas or Peter. Number five, then to the twelve. Number six, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. This is the proof of this, of Jesus dying on the cross, going to the tomb, and being resurrected. It's the heart, is the 99.9% .9 of the gospel. Number seven, then he appeared to James. James was who? His brother, who was a skeptic, said Jesus was a lunatic. And he converts to Christianity and helps build the number one church in Christianity. A religious Jew who converted to Christianity, left the religion that he was comfortable with knowing that it was God's religion and then was willing to die and he did die a martyr's death. He was willing to literally lay down his life for what he truly believed and knew in his heart. Number eight, then to all the apostles, there were other apostles. There's others mentioned in the New Testament. There's probably a lot of them that weren't mentioned by name in the New Testament. And number nine, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Paul was a religious Pharisee. Who did Jesus always pick on? The Pharisees, Sadducees, and the don't you sees, right? And he came up, and to this guy, you know the story, Paul on the road to Damascus, smitten, a glorious light from heaven came, and the voice of God came to him just like it did when Jesus was baptized. He spent time in Damascus with the Lord. Wrote more books of the New Testament than all the rest of them put together. The Apostle Paul, who had been, he would be equivalent to a double doctorate today. I mean, he was set at the feet of Gamaliel, who was the best known man in the university, I guess you could say. He was at Walking University. He sat at his feet. He was notably one of the top scholars in the history of the world. Steeped, born into and steeped in Judaism. And changed it all as he was converted. And laid down his life, spent times in prisons. You know, it talks in the New Testament about all the things he went through. Stripes 39 times, many times, three shipwrecks. The enemy tried to kill him, tried to kill him, tried to kill him, tried to kill him, but he couldn't touch him until his time on earth was due. And if you'll stand in the promises of God, the enemy cannot touch you, cannot take you out of this planet before he's supposed to. Praise God. We've got to walk and the things that God told us to, because it's good for us. You get off of it, mm -hmm. no, tell them what'll happen. You gotta plead the blood. You gotta walk in the promises. 
You got to believe what God said. He's proven himself. The resurrection is real. The resurrection is a fact. The resurrection is historical truth. We're going to be doing some teaching on the resurrection here pretty soon. It's going to be really interesting. I'll probably teach on creation first. Go into a couple of weeks on that, a couple of weeks on the resurrection. The, the, the proof is so strong in the resurrection that it actually happened. It's, it's undeniable. Many of the apologists in ministry today were atheists. They weren't just agnostics. They, a lot of them were atheists. And when they start, they were, they had enough gumption in them to study. When they started studying, they found out the truth that Christianity's true, that false religions are false. And you can go down a list of them. One of the guys that I, I really spent quite a bit of time with him, I've taken some classes with him, and everything, Frank Turek. He was just an agnostic Catholic, you know, good old boy. Ha ha. Until he studied everything and he goes, oh my gosh. You know, and then he got saved. Uh, There's so many of them. Uh, Nafil uh, Qureshi uh, was a Muslim. And uh, he and um, David, um, whatever, I forgot David's last name. Anyway, they were both in college together, studied for three years, and trying to, one trying to prove Christianity true and the other one trying to prove that. Islam was true. Guess who won? Yeah, Nabil. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. Strobel was another one. A- atheist, big businessman, until Jesus came into his life. Lee Strobel's a fine apologist. They've even got a program at the University of Colorado, I believe it is. It's named after him. Folks, if you have any doubts, open the Bible. And if you have any doubts about the Bible, there's plenty of other books that substantiate the Bible. And then you'll appreciate the Bible that much more because it's true in everything that it affirms. It'll prove itself. You don't have to stand up for it. People really read it in the Holy Spirit. They'll have to agree with it sooner or later because it's inarguable. Verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles and do not deserve to be, be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. The grace of God will carry you where you can't go. The grace of God will take you where you can't go. Praise God. Just attend to her. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for healing virtue in Jesus' name, to be released. We thank you, Lord God, that your plan is health and wholeness. And in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, that healing virtue flows, flows, be made whole in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're welcome. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the word go forth. Let Jesus do his healing. Let the people of God rejoice. Hallelujah. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, this is what you believed. The grace of God is the power of God to do that which you can't do. I can't do diddly squat. Whatever that is. I can only do what God enables me to do. Now, I can do some things to myself, but we won't go down that trip today. When I'm doing the things that he has done in me for you, for others, that's my purpose. I get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. 
Okay, praise God. So then, according to Romans 10, after Paul gave in verses 9 and 10 the, the, uh, the ability to get saved, in other words, what did he say in verses 9 and 10? He said, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Let's pick up in verse 14 now. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How is the gospel released? By the preaching of the word of the gospel. Verse 15, how can anyone preach unless they're sent? And in other words, if you're sitting there happy, clappy on your backside, guess what? How's somebody going to hear that? You got to preach it to them. I said you got to preach it to them. You got to love them. Now, maybe you can do it on your phone or maybe you can do it on your computer or whatever, but you use everything at your disposal to be able to preach the gospel. These guys back then didn't have smartphones. They didn't even have a computer, not even an old-fashioned one, which we think is old-fashioned. A286, wasn't it called? Something like that? That's back when Kelly was a baby. Well, not quite that old. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That was always a challenge when I was a youth pastor. Teenagers' feet don't normally smell too good. But uh, you learn to look at them and say, those feet are going to preach the gospel. Those feet are going to preach the gospel. It doesn't make any difference what they are today. They're going to preach the gospel. Amen. Why do we have to preach the word? We have to preach the word so they can hear, so they can take the word into the heart and believe it. It's what we talked about last week, the sower sows the word. Remember Mark chapter 4. It's good seed and it goes on good ground and catches. Sometimes the ground is not very good, but it can help start breaking it up. The Bible says the, the word's like a hammer. It'll break up those things that are hard. It'll put them in smaller pieces. It, it'll take them from a, the... The asphalt, so to speak, to chunky ground, to good ground. Praise God. Another reading that's imperative to our study this morning is 1 Corinthians 4, verse 18. And I've, uh, we shared this last week, but I want to recap it because we don't need just to hear things once. Moving right along. All of us need repetition. Verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 18. So some of you are kind of arrogant, not here, that's on video. Hi out there on YouTube and on the, the uh, website. Uh, we're not picking on you. We're just kind of bringing something y'all to consider, you know. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I'll find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. He was looking for the power in the church. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or shall I come to you in love and a gentle spirit? Because you've been preaching the gospel and getting all those people saved. Hallelujah. You get to preach the gospel. I'm not beating the sheep this morning. No, I'm saying make some more sheep. Yeah. Now, that means spiritual too, okay? <laughs> Thank you for that one affirmation there. And the Phillips translation, as we read last week, talks about Christian living. That's a key. It's a different word than what some places use. We want to open the keys to Christian living. It's not by might. It's not by your necessary intellectual ability, although your intellectual ability enters into it as long as it's renewed to the right thing, the Word of God. It can be fun. I had a little fun with that guy last week. He said, I'm not trying to offend you or anything, but, you know, there's been other peoples before us like the Neanderthal, and they died, and then God made some more, and we'll all die, and then, you know, God will make some more, and... Uh, 
And he goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And I mean, you just that's just a little snippet of what he said. Uh, don't you ever decline the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to anybody. They'll try to get you off. And this is a, you know, a good guy in the world. You know, good guy, a real good guy. He's just delusional, as one friend of mine would say it. He, he's got his own gospel. He's, he's built his own. That's one reason we come to church. So you can get confirmation on what you're hearing from God and you can also get direction so you don't go off the side of the road and fall into the ditch. Yep. And it's good for me too because, you know, I've got to stay about half a step ahead of you. That's a little hard. Some of you, you know, oh my gosh. Woo. But it's a pleasure. Keeps me on the right thing. It means when I, and I've got some, I've, there's some scripture things that I, I saw for the first time, but I haven't confirmed it yet, so I'm not going to share it with you. And I, I know how I can confirm it, and that's going to take another few days, so I'll bring it up next time or when it's appropriate. And if I can't confirm it, let the word be into the mouth, establish the mouth of two or three people, two or three witnesses. Hey, and I'm all fine with that. I'm not going to bring out something, just huh, stick your hand in the basket and draw out a number. Okay. Oh, John 3.16. Okay, now. That's not the way we share the gospel. We share it as the Holy Spirit goes, dee, 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 dee. Tell them about. Tell them about. Tell them about. Have you, have, have you thought about? Have, have you thought about just telling them? That Jesus loves you so much that he died on the tree as the payment. Do you, but do you see God? God's just God. And justice says there must be punishment for those who have done bad things. And you've done bad things, haven't you? You ever lied before? Yeah, you ever stole anything before? Oh, you're a lying thief. Okay. Well, what are you laughing about? We need to put a big mirror up here. <laughs> Whatever he sent in, I probably did 10 times worse. I don't say that with joy. I say that with the joy of deliverance and healing. Praise God. I think God had to work on me a little harder than did you. <laughs> but anyway. That's what getting on the front rows gets you, you know. You get to get picked on in love. Thank you. Good guy. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Amen. It's okay if we have a little fun too, right? I am so glad for the gospel of Jesus Christ that set me free from sin and death. Every time we sin, it's a big scoop of death. We keep on, we keep on, we keep on, but the blood of Jesus Christ will intervene on your behalf. And whatever you think, watching this video later, you've never done more than the Jesus, than Jesus' blood can heal you from. Somebody was saying right now, you don't know what I've done. Well, I'm going to tell you, you don't know what Jesus has done. Because his dying on the cross, shedding his blood, going to the grave, and then being resurrected proved that he can do more good than you can ever do bad, if you want to look at it that way. He's the author of life, the Bible says. We talked some about the Spirit's involvement last week. We talked about the Word. The Word is the, the release mechanism of the gospel. When we're praying for deliverance, it's the Word, the name, the blood, the Word, the name, the blood, the Word, the name, the blood. We're talking more about the blood today. Now, this is not comprehensive on the blood. There's way more than we can cover in one day. But we're going to talk about a few things here just to 
kind of prick you a little bit to study your, for yourself a little deeper. 1 John 5, 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. He took upon him the form of a servant. He humbled himself. God in the flesh. God was encapsulated in the flesh and he came to this earth as a man. He remained God 100%, but he was also man 100%. And as you're reading the Bible, sometimes you need to discern which it is that he's speaking from. Is he speaking from the role of a man or is he speaking from the role of God? And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And those three are in agreement. Now, if you're reading King James or maybe another couple of translations, you're going to see some additional wording there in verse 8. Don't get tied up on that. That's nothing wrong with it. It's just not really uh, in part of the original scriptures. It was added back in the 16th century. Just a few extra words. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's, we know that's right anyway. They added that to emphasize the Trinity, which is all through the Bible. So don't get hung up on that. Most of the modern translations do not include it, but most of them also have a footnote about it. We ex verse 9, we accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it's a testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony of God has given us about his Son. He uses the terminology Son because he's been encapsulated in the flesh. In heaven, he's, I don't think he's called the Son of God, he's called the Lamb of God. They looked for the lion in the tribe of Judah in Revelation and behold, the Lamb of God. Just like when John Baptist was, was talking. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We shall glorify and praise and honor Jesus Christ throughout all eternity because he's the one that gave us the ticket to eat that meal, the wedding feast, and to, that's an all-time ticket. It passes forever. It's VIP, child of God. Praise God. You are with me this morning? I love these verses here. Verse 11, and this is the testimony God has given us, given us, given us, can't earn it, given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. The door, believing in him, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. One of my older friends years ago said, that's one way you, you witness to people. Do you have the Son of God? I don't know. Well, you don't have life of God. It's through His Son, Jesus Christ. God's big enough to encapsulate himself in flesh and still remain God where he's omnipotent and omnipresent, I guess I should say. That way he's both of them anyway. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Romans 3.21. But now apart from the law of righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testified. What's he saying? It's in the Old Testament if you look at it. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. 
Many people will tell you that there's two ways of salvation, the Christian way and the Jewish way. That's not true. The Jewish way was stopped at the resurrection. I'm just telling the truth. It's very plain right here and other places. I'm going to start again and overlap. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Think about that word atonement. We're going to come back to it in just a minute. Through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Faith is what? Substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, that means putting up with, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. In other words, the, the, the Jews were saved previous to the resurrection if they were saved by faith like Abraham if they were actually of their father Abraham, okay? That's changed. It all has to go through Jesus Christ now. Now, some people, I quoted uh, Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for future, the evidence of things not seen. That means you know that you know that you know that you know it, even though you don't see it. But why do you know it? Because you have reasoned it out that this makes more sense than anything else I've ever seen in my life. Okay? Reason enters into this because you believe after you know. Putting your trust in Jesus. Why do you do it? I did it because I believed that he would forgive me from my sins. And I needed help in that because I could not work it out myself. I just like Brother Tim, I screwed up. <laughs> Anybody else in here know that? Yep. Every hand ought to go up. That's right. We needed it. And, and sometimes people say, well, you know, faith is just taking a leap. Why would you leap off a building, leap out of an airplane like that guy tried to do last week, 700 feet in the ground, open the door and try to jump out because he, 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 he was getting anxious. <laughs> 700 feet above the ground, no parachute, there I come. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get free here. <laughs> oh, me. It takes all kinds. <laughs> the, the issue here that we need to see as that reason is good, human reason's good, because you make your decision and your will to receive Jesus Christ, and that's part of your soul. Remember, your soul doesn't get saved, it's your spirit. You get a new spirit creation, and your soul starts getting saved or sanctified or um, walking through that process and it'll continue to walk through that process until we go to be with the Lord. And then it's all 100% when we get the redeemed body or actually leave earth. This is not that hard. But so many people will claim, you're a Christian, you just took a leap of faith. He said, I sure did. It's the most positive thing in this world because I know that I know that I know that I know. It's objective. It's not changing. Jesus is my Lord now and forever. Got my whole trust in him. Just didn't think about him. Just didn't think it might work. I know it works. I once was dead, but now I live. Was That's getting the words all mixed up, but it didn't make any difference, does it? Blind, but now I see. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I can't quite do it like some others can. It's okay to laugh at me. I'm laughing with you. 
But that's the joy of my heart. That's the joy of my heart. God doesn't mind if I sing off key. He doesn't mind if I get the words all scrambled up. He'll even let me sing in the spirit. You know? So this is, this is just the deal of freedom. I used to be embarrassed about, you know, people got my fly zipped up and I got this and oh yeah, I got my deodorant on and you know, those are all good things. Amen. Amen. But the most important thing is I want to be what God wants me to be. And I miss it. I miss it every day. But you know something? I'm hitting it more all the time by grace. By grace. Moving right along. Uh, we're still in Romans 10. We're going to move over to Hebrews 4. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's a, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered, laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we must give account. I know we read that last week, but that's okay. You need it again. The marismos, the dividing asunder. Only the word of God, and this, as the spirit makes it plain to you, can separate what's your soul man and what's your spirit man. Because that's where the fight is. Divided heart. When you get your mind renewed in that area, then you'll have a single heart. You won't have this frustration. You know, Paul said, what am I going to do, this miserable man? Ah, Jesus Christ delivers. He delivers. He sets free. Jesus is the word. Okay, um, Let's do this. Let's, let's talk about atonement and propitiation a little bit. That word atonement, I read a while ago, is really not the word in the Greek there. People kind of mix them up and around. Atonement uh, is a release, and it basically puts the release more on the person. Atonement is man-focused and concerns cleansing. Okay? cleansing. And that's good. But he's actually the propitiation. And that's the guilt extinguishing sacrifice. That's what Jesus did. Uh, another way to look at it, it clearly expiates sin, in particular our guilt. It's God-focused and concerns reconciliation. All of those come together for propitiation. And here's, here's something else that's very interesting along those lines too. If you want to take another term and use it in place of propitiation, you can. That term is mercy seat. Okay? It's a mercy seat. Do you know Jesus delivered his own blood to heaven? He led captivity captive. And he took his blood and put it on the mercy seat, not of the little model that we made down here, but by the model in heaven, the real thing, the real tabernacle, the real, the real one, the glorious one. Yes. And there's a mercy seat there and Jesus put his own blood there. It doesn't do anything like lessen, get weaker, start dissipating because it's the life of God. And it's a way that we can receive cleansing, healing, deliverance. It's much more than just an atonement, just some animal dying and giving that as a presentation to the Lord. It's the Son of God, God himself encapsulated in the flesh. God paid for my sins. God paid for my iniquities. God paid for my transgressions. He did it in his son, Jesus Christ, on the tree 2,000 years ago. So I could be born again, so I could be filled with the Spirit, so I could walk in His precepts, so I could have the joy of knowing my church family, being able to share with others 
knowing the church family and putting up with Kelly. Yeah. I praise God for that man. Over and over. The propitiation, guilt, extinguishing, sacrifice. Atonement sweeps the dirt under the carpet. Propitiation, it's gone. There ain't no dirt left when the blood covers it. That's the best I can explain it. It's gone. It's like the delete button on the computer. It's gone. And there's no undelete to it. It's gone. He throws our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. He chooses to forget. <sighs> Thank God. Because that way I'm clean. Because I put my mind in agreement with him. And I realize that if God's not holding this against me, I'm free. Jesus paid the penalty. He paid the get out of jail free. It's called mercy. 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 As the blood today on the mercy seat goes, forgive. Mercy. Forgive. Forget. It's all gone. It's extinguished. Never to come back again. Oh, the mercy of God. Oh, new every morning. First John 1 John 1.5 in closing. How many closes do I get? Three? Three? Okay. First John 1 John 1.5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It's talking about the church body, fellowship. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. We sang a couple of songs this morning, three I guess, about the, the blood. It's so important that we receive the acknowledgement of that, of the mercy seat in heaven, to give praise and honor to God. Nothing that I can do except say, yes, sir, I believe Lord, I believe. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, <laughs> yep, yep, we've done that, haven't we? This is yes. There ain't no no in this one. Okay, this is yes. We have an advocate with the Father top-class attorney, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, the guilt-extinguishing sacrifice. And not for ours only, but for all the whole world. They just have to believe and receive, put their trust in him. His blood's enough for billions to get saved on the same day. It's not going to run... It's not going to go anywhere. It's there in life. Life quenches out the darkness. The life of God is not deterred from the things of the enemy. The enemy can't put it out. But the light can stomp out the darkness. The dark is afraid of the light. Na, 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 na. You are a loser. Yeah. Our Father, our Father in heaven. Oh, my goodness. This guy I was talking to the other day says, well, the Yahweh, the Old Testament, and the Father in the New Testament are two different gods. I thought, what? Where, where did you get that? Well, you can tell because the old one, you know, he, was, he always had genocide going on. In the new one, he's our Father. I said, well, don't you think God's just? 
He had to deal with sin. You can't let sin into heaven. It would just make heaven earth. He had to deal with it. And those people didn't want him, and he's not going to force them to go to heaven with him. He knew ahead of time. Secondly, he had to do what he had to do to get Jesus here. We'd have another situation with Noah. You have Noah every 600 years, have another flood, you know. Wipe out everybody but eight people. Some, if I was God, I, well, never mind. <laughs> but that's what's so important that God has washed us clean. And if you don't want him, he's not going to force you. And I said, don't you think that God can be both just and loving? He has to be. If he didn't, if he wasn't just, he couldn't be loving. That's pretty common sense, isn't it? I'm talking about my daddy. Chris and I were talking a while ago, you know, we both got the same daddy. That makes him my brother. He's got to pick up, he's got, he's got to put up with me forever. <laughs> Ah, glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. I want to give you a couple of thoughts in closing. I want to stir your heart to let the life and the joy and the peace of God dissolve in you. And I, I want to ask you if you'll really consider Think 200. You know, I, I'm, I'm not after people for people's sake. Yes, it'd be great if we had twice as many people. We can have twice as much money to do some other things that we'd like to do because the basics are covered. We'd get into some other things. But we're not in it for money. We're in it for people. And people need the truth and they need to be loved on. So what I'm asking you to do, each one of you, and you can say yes or you can say no, bring somebody to church next month. A family or a person. I don't care if they're 12 or can't be 112, they'll be older than Phil. <laughs> Stop around 100 since he's 101. So... We want to keep him as the oldest one here forever. <laughs> A little selfish, but I still like it that way. And bring somebody in. There are people out there that are hurting. We're, we're going to develop this and keep on going. I want to give you some tools that are going to help you make it a little more efficient, but we don't have them quite prepared yet, but we're working on it. But look at people when you're out. And think about how would it look like if I was in their shoes? How would it look like the man or woman on the corner of the street? The man or the woman driving that brand new Mercedes? It doesn't make any difference. All people in between. Lost is lost. Okay? And, and people, there are a lot of confessing Christians in Oklahoma City that are not in church. We don't have to go rob somebody else's congregation. If they're, if they're satisfied there and are good, you leave them there. That doesn't mean that if they're not satisfied and they're looking, that you can't bring them here, okay? They're God's kids. They're not Church of Tomorrow's or anybody else's. But I don't believe in just going to try to get other saved people to come here that are satisfied with their church. I actually believe in getting people here that need this time of fellowship that we have. We have something special here. And the fellowship that we have, the worship that we have, the child ministry that we have, all of things go together. And the more that you learn to talk to people, the, more, the better you'll get at it. Uh, we need to have all kinds of people. I'm not going to say we need, you know, I know one church that's real big in America, and they said, this is our target. Our target's people. It's not, you know, just that. Their target was, you know, this, 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 and this. And they grew. They, they got a lot of numbers. 
We want growth, not numbers. There's a difference because growth is internal if it's God. There's good churches and there's other churches. I don't want to get into that stuff. I just want to love on the people that God puts in our hearts to talk to and give them the opportunity. And, you know, I guarantee, I don't know how many people told me they'd be here and never have visited. That's okay. God sees what's going on. True story. When I was in Texas years ago, three of us went every other weekend to Galveston, Texas to walk the streets, pass out tracks, and talk to people one-on-one. And every time that we were out of church on Sunday morning because we were still in Galveston, God sent visitors to the church that I was part of. It was phenomenal. Pastor says, this is, this is wild. Every time you guys are down there, we get new people. See, God gives you a harvest of what you plant. And you may plant wheat, and I know that every, every uh, seed does produce after its own kind, but it may come up a little different kind of wheat. Okay? That's fine. I love you. I praise God for you. I thank you that the opportunity is here today like it's never been before. And if we grab it, it's going to be great. And if we don't, it's just going to go by and more people are going to go to hell. And that's the reality of it. You know, that's not what I preach to everybody. I don't go out and preach hell to everybody, but that's the reality of it. And I do mention it quite often because that's the reality of it. There's only two choices. That's it. Heaven or hell. So let's have some heaven in this life now. So I'm going to pray real short and Pastor Kelly's going to come up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to touch each heart in this room. And I ask you, Father God, that you ask them what they're going to do with it. I ask you, Lord God, to show them how they can commit to whatever it is that you put in their heart right now, whatever that is. I ask you, Lord God, to give them an opportunity to see your heart in a new dimension and and a new emphasis on what you want. I ask them, Lord God, to, to, to see you and all that you've done in their life from the start, actually before their born-again experience, and at that time and since then. And I thank you, Lord God, you put them in remembrance that for one reason, so they can give you praise and glory and honor. And part of that is just to be to be able to preach your word, share your word, love on people. Sometimes we don't even say anything about the gospel. We think we're going to see them again. We'll build a relationship, and then talk to them about you. Let the joy of our heart emanate and flush out the things that other person has in their soul so that they can be free in the name of Jesus, that they can see you in all of the things that you're trying to do, Father, and that they can, with their own lips, Speak the glorious things of God and be grateful and thankful so that it'll respond to them in a way of thanksgiving and outreach and blessings and reception. God, we give you praise and glory that you've saved us. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Glory. And Father, anybody that doesn't have that understanding right now in the name of Jesus, we just ask them to respond by raising their hand And we want to pray with them specifically. If you need healing today in your physical body, step on out and join me. If you need deliverance in your physical body, your soul, step on out and join me. If you need something, you want to stand in the gap for somebody else, step on out, join me. Let the power of the Holy Spirit demonstrate the love of God to you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for all the people that have gone before us that have laid down their lives, literally or otherwise, 
for us. We thank you most of all for the King of kings, the Lord of glory, that he laid down his life for us. Something we never could earn, nothing we could ever deserve, but you did it anyway. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Brother Kelly. The Word of God is quick, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than what? Any two-edged sword, piercing to the very dividing between what? Thoughts, intents, and motives of the heart. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord for the Word of God. Amen? Thank God for our, our pastor, Dan Boone, who uh, freely releases the Word of God. It's, it's uh, unquestionable regarding uh, how it is released. And now we're going to take that and release it as the Holy Spirit shows us. Amen. Amen. I was reminded as he was ministering uh, how God gives and he gives and he gives and then he gives some more. And, then, and uh, uh, when we give to him, he gives back. Look at your neighbor and say, when God gives... He gives big. <laughs> and so when we give, his, his response is always much more than what we could ever imagine or think. Amen. I'm reminded John 3.16, For God loved the world so much that he what? Gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die but have what kind of life? Everlasting life. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, everlasting life. Give and it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. Hallelujah. For in the measure you give, it will be what? Given back to you and more. Hallelujah. Everyone say, and more. Hallelujah. You never outgive God. Hallelujah. I was reminded years ago when Harvest Christian School was here and uh, I felt the prompting to be released to go to Scotland for a year. And uh, when I was released and the school released me to go for that year and I taught at another place, you know what happened to the population of Harvest Christian School? It went up. You never outgive God. <laughs> when you release, God gives back more. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, man, that's good. So when you give, I want you to remember, you know, we have different ways that we give here. You know, you give online, you can give text to give, or you can give, you know, through the envelopes that we have there in the back. But I just encourage you to give. God is your example. He's a great giver. Hallelujah. He gave us opportunity to be with him forever. Hallelujah. <laughs> he gave of himself to make us and create us. He didn't have to. He's all existent in and of himself. He didn't have to make us, but he wanted to. So he gave of himself. Woo! <laughs> I can get excited. Okay. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, wow, he can get excited. Wednesdays, we have The Awe of God, okay? It's a book that we're looking through and studying, and we're into week number six. Uh, we encourage you to come. It's been a magnificent time. Uh, snacks at 645 and study at 7 o'clock, okay? And so uh, be a part of that on Wednesdays. And then one last thing before we dismiss, um, We've been dealing with uh, Memorial Day weekend. We've prayed for and, and honored those who have been a part, you know, of this nation and, and have given their lives to uh, make the nation what it is. And uh, even those who are still alive, they have given and they have, in a sense, died, okay? Uh, their lives you know, have been changed because of their giving, okay, of their lives. And so uh, also Brother Phil... Uh, we're going to uh, go to his uh, room uh, at Epworth Villa uh, tomorrow evening at 6 and present him with a card and a cake and so forth. So if you would like to be a part of that, just let me know. Uh, I'm going to be going. And um, so if you're interested, just let me know. Uh, but he would, uh, I think he would love to have some, some church people to be a part and uh, just present a little Memorial Day uh, uh, 
response, you know, for him. So, amen? amen. Let's stand. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to spread the word of God everywhere that I go. <laughs> Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, that your word is alive and well on the inside of us and that out of that flow, we are going to release that, hallelujah, when opportunity arises. Father, I speak for a divine connections, divine appointments for people uh, uh, throughout this week so that we have opportunity to share, hallelujah, your goodness and your greatness Father, we're going to be thinking more and more about what 200 means for this body. Hallelujah. And we're willing to stretch our hearts and stretch our lives, Father, to embrace and to include others in this local body. And we just thank you for the response of that in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. go in the peace and the power and the grace and the glory of God. Amen.